Everyone's got opinions when it comes to leadership. And let's be honest, how many experts do we all know? But where can we find real leadership advice that's not BS? Well, look no further. Welcome to No BS Leadership, where on each episode, we attempt to expose the gap between what leaders think they should be doing and what actually works without the BS. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. And we are all together here for No all More together. Leadership BS. Got a great crew, as always, where we talk about our topic of the day. And why us? Why these people? Well, we're coaches. And we like to see people succeed. And sometimes when you're going down a path that you're on, you can't see every curve, everything. We can help you see that. And that's why we're here to talk about leadership, how to proceed uh, down your path. And by golly, let's get things started. And we're going to start with, because I say so, Mr. Geyer. Mr. Geyer, how are you doing today? Oh, thanks for choosing me first, Dr. Sam. I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, the, today's t- uh, topic. It's going to be awesome. Starting with awesome. the oldest working way down. Yeah, basically. <laughs> age age yeah. before beauty, Conroy. Come on now. All right, Conroy, take the wheel. Introduce yourself, please. Well, good morning, everybody. And to all my friends in Eastern Oregon, let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> this is going to be a great episode. <laughs> And Myra, good morning to you. Would you introduce yourself, please? Good morning to everybody. I'm so glad you said age before beauty, because that means I didn't have to go first. Just saying. Dyer did. Just saying. Yeah, but I'm older than he is, but I'm be- more beautiful than he you is. You look too. way that is younger true. than that him. Is way true. <laughs> so, that's, I quit. that's the... <laughs> I love getting back to you guys. I love it. Sam, that goes with today's topic. I quit. <laughs> we'll circle back to quitting before too terribly long. But now, yeah. Geoff, please say hey to the people. Hey, people, what's going on? <laughs> Does everybody, is this, is this like everyone's first time seeing McLaughlin's hair? He usually right. wears a baseball cap. It's luscious. It's he's got like the Superman thing going on. I got my curl. I got my my fancy Superman curl. There you go. Well, now you just look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but if I take my glasses off, then I, they, then you won't even recognize. I me. wouldn't recognize you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I have hair and no glasses. You'd be like, who is that guy? <laughs> yeah, character. <laughs> Wow. So we have energy this morning, folks, and we're uh, going to give you an episode that talks about how we take in energy and how we give it back. And that is what I'm calling resilience. And you know, the myth is that uh, resilience and leadership is just taking in bad stuff and bouncing back. By golly, we're resilient because we met these challenges and just kept on trucking. And that may be a part of it, but it's not the whole story. Resilience is about all the things we bring in as leaders all the things we experience and how we turn those into our next leadership success. And I'm not suggesting everything is cute and fluffy and it turns into, you know, a learning opportunity. Some things are just suck, that's for sure. And how we respond to those things as well as the successes turns into how we respond to stimulus in general. So one of the things I thought of, it may not be a great metaphor, but I'm thinking about leaders as bread dough. So you've got this pile of dough and it's squishy and you can put it in all kinds of directions and you can pull it apart, break it, twist it. If you add too much of something, it's possible to add the other ingredients back in and just have more dough in the end. It doesn't mean you've wrecked it. It means it needs to have an adjustment. So we think about resilience. We can think about 
having that experience and then being able to infuse that with other things and then be a better leader on the other end of it. And it sounds a little convoluted because we've thought, like I said, we thought about resilience more like a bounce back versus an experience. And so what I'd like to offer today is uh, this conversation around resilience as we've seen it, you know, like the bounce back resilience as, um, an opportunity to learn and grow. And then what you can do as leaders in your roles to both develop your resilience and develop it in your people. So what I want to offer is a couple stories from our friends. I will talk to uh, Geoff and Jeff Geyer first. And they will have our histories, our work histories and things we've seen along the way. And I want to know if you guys have seen or experienced things where somebody didn't quite demonstrate resilience like you thought could have been helpful in the moment. Situations where the response was just not quite there. Yeah, I'm open up to either of you. Uh, if you have a story to share, please take the wheel. <laughs> well, okay, I'll, I'll go because I've done a, a lot of work with with students and student leadership, and it's always interesting because you're taking a, a young human being who maybe who obviously has not always had the same life experiences as you. And working in places that are uncomfortable and being like as a leader, being uncomfortable, being okay with discomfort because you know that it's a growth a chance for growth and that it's not always going to be turn out the way that you want it to, but giving yourself the opportunity to and working with young adults and young leaders. It, it's always interesting. I've had a lot of times where when things get challenging or they get uncomfortable, they immediately try to make it more comfortable. And so they don't allow certain things to happen because they're not comfortable being uncomfortable. And, and sometimes, a lot of the times, that's just in presenting situations where you're asking for suggestions or asking for comments from younger students where you have to give them time to think process before they'll answer. And there's silence. And when there's silence, people get really nervous. And if there is silence with somebody who's not trained to be okay with it, you have to actually train yourself to be okay with silence, that they get so nervous that they will start to answer the questions for somebody else. They will give the answer rather than letting the student or somebody else come to their own conclusion. And so that resilience piece in being okay with being uncomfortable, that really accepting that this is, this is going to suck for a little bit but I know that there's a positive outcome at the end. And training them, trying to train people to be accepting of that uncomfortableness is, is really challenging. And some kids can do it, some people can, some people can't. And it's, it's I don't know if it's a personality thing or a, a how you were raised thing. I do believe that you can be trained to be more resilient in lots of situations, but you have to be aware of it. So... You know, that's great. We've done a couple conversations about the silence before and using it as a tool, not as a manipulative tool, but just as a way to give people that moment to pause and reflect and think. A good example of resilience will have that element of pause and think. I appreciate that story. That's a great lead in. Jeff Geyer, what do you have for the conversation today? Well, a couple of short um, stories, Sam. When you ask about, have I seen someone who didn't necessarily exhibit re resilience and the first thing that jumped to mind it's it's been years ago two two members of our leadership team they were good at the, their responsibilities they were horrible at getting along with each other 
And so I went to each one of them individually and said, are, are you willing to work on this? Do you want it to get better? Do you want this relationship to get better? They realized that it wasn't good and, and they both separately wanted it to get together, wanted it to be better. So we arranged a, a sit down with the two of them and, and me. I was kind of, you know, supposed to moderate this conversation. They wanted to clear the air, as it were, and, and, you know, work towards making the relationship better. And about halfway through that initial conversation, so, you know, maybe 10 or 15 minutes into this, this uh, togetherness meeting, the one person said, you know what? I changed my mind. I'm, I'm done with this. Got up, walked out. And I followed them. And said, you know, you said you wanted to get wanted this to be better, and we had to know that it was going to be challenging because the relationship's challenging now, and so it's gonna you're gonna have to work at it to make it better. Yeah, I, I just don't. I'm not willing to work that hard. And there wasn't any resilience to to say, okay, that didn't go well. Let's let's um, find a new path and and go again. And to me, that that was part of the. The and and I don't know to to McLaughlin's point. I don't know if that was personality or upbringing or training. This this person indicated that they wanted to be trained and and learn new skills. And and, and the fact is, because they weren't resilient, they they didn't or they wouldn't. And then the second story I have, and and that, it was a sad thing. That person obviously ultimately left the organization and. You know the organization was worth worse off um, because of it, just because they, they weren't resilient. I never I never looked at them as a pile of dough, though, Sam. So maybe maybe that would have maybe that would have changed something. Right? And, You're welcome, and, sir. And the, and the second the second story is is more personal about resilience, and I I learned it in the in the military that you know not everything's always going to go right, and it isn't. And and we've all heard the cliche that. You know, as long as you get up one more time than you get knocked down, it's going to be fine. And it's, it's not the fact that you got knocked down. It's the fact that you get up and that that can apply in a, in a lot of different avenues or areas of our lives. And it, and it really isn't how many times you get knocked down. So my thing has my personal kind of mantra that I've taken out of that experience now decades ago was was that, you know, sometimes you just want to sit down in a corner and cry. And as the leader, if you get to that spot, then I'll sit in the corner and cry with you. But here's the thing, when we're done crying, we're gonna get up and we're gonna go after it again. But right. we're not gonna keep beating our head against the same old wall. We're gonna modify, we're gonna take what we learned, we're gonna modify our approach or learn something different, and we're gonna go at it again. It's okay to rest, it's okay to cry, it's okay to feel defeated, but when that passes, uh, we're gonna get up and go after it again. You World War One veterans are really resilient. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You know, we worked without a helmet. <laughs> Obviously. Tougher generation. Much, much tougher generation. And he worries about being picked on. Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, I've almost forgotten about it, but the, your guys' storytelling reminds me of um, back in my high school days. I played football. And we were so good that we had sometimes a perfect record of zero wins. And it was, you know, a series where, you know, you go to the away games, you get on the bus, a bunch of adolescent boys being, you know, adolescent boys. And uh, it's rowdy and raucous. You go play the game, you get your butts handed to you, and you get on the bus, and you're loud and rowdy and raucous. Until one time we did this away game, 
went out and did our thing, and we won. We got on the bus, and it was very, very quiet. And one of my peers got on, and he was excited and pumping his fist. And he's like, what's going on? We won. And the rest of us like, yeah. We didn't even know how to react to that. That's so you think right, about that resilience, right. sometimes it's that positive. Like, what is this all about? What is this thing getting beat on? So I, this is different, and apparently it feels wrong. Yeah, I think that even as leaders, when things go well, we can think, yeah, that was fine, but what am I missing? What is going wrong that I don't know because things don't go right all the time? And sometimes it's all right just to say, this is a win. I accept it, and I'm going to declare victory, and by golly, we're moving ahead. But it's abnormal. And the resilience piece of that is knowing that all the inputs can affect how you see the rest of the world. Take it in, enjoy it, make it part of how you are and, and how you see the world. So as we move on, sometimes we think we're being resilient. We think we're doing the right thing. And some examples are when people respond to a thing, oftentimes a negative thing, and you see this super calm demeanor, um, but they either don't respond later with the appropriate response or that bad thing that happened, they never let it go. They, they always hold a grudge against the person who did the thing to them or whatever happens, always in there cooking and stewing. They were calm, but man, they're angry for a long time. So I'm wondering uh, from Myra and Jeff Conroy, have you seen examples of those kinds of things where people had an input and never really dealt with it and just sort of carried it on so they weren't actually resilient even though they looked like it on the surface. I talked a few episodes ago about a boss that I had that went under the table. You know, she, and for her, it was about control. And by my coming on board, she felt like she was losing control, however that looked to her. And so instead of of being resilient and figure out how could she still, you know, be who she is and keep keep her her satisfaction and her safety in her her position, she which would have been resilience. Would how how can I take this situation and still make it good for me? You know, as she would go underground and try to to get rid of the threat, basically. So instead of of saying, okay, here's a new picture. I didn't expect to see this when I came around the corner, but how can I make this work? It was like, let's throw the picture over the balcony. You know, let's just get rid of it. So that I mean, that is probably the most um, the vi- most vivid example that I have. But I mean, I can think back on my own life, and as a lot of times when I would lose control of something that was important to me. And reject it, you know, yeah. and and go ahead and do it anyway. Plow through it, mm-hmm. and I've I've since learned that that's not very, very wise, or doesn't have good outcomes. So sure. I had to learn that the 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 sane way instead of the insane way. But part of it was becoming more emotional. You know, the EQ that they talk about. You start to learn uh, how to manage your emotions, and I think that's a pretty important part of of resilience. Sure. Is is how to manage your emotions and let them work for you instead of against you. So, so you talk about managing your emotions, and we I joked about it, but it's it's true. I would get really really frustrated early on in my leadership career, and I threw coffee cups. I. I was frustrated and I had to learn to 
manage my emotions. And I learned that, hey, people don't react favorably to that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. what? So no. I, I think I think trying to change myself to not be that way as much. Am I still, I don't, I'm not overreactive. I have found myself, I can be short with people. I hope that's normal, <laughs> but, 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 but yeah, I keep saying, you know, I probably could have handled that better, but I've, I've also, I had an employee once quit to go to greener pastures and they found out the, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence is because someone else is watering it and they wanted to come back. I mean, but when she left, she went out with a flurry and there was some, some hurt feelings and, and I'm forever the optimist and always the king of third and fourth chances. So when I met with this person and she wanted to come back, I said, well, this is some things you got to deal with. And I brought her back. And I'm going to say she lasted about six months because some of the old grievances and some of the old issues that she had, she would bring back up. And we're like, you know, we're moving on. We can't, we, this is this is how we dealt with it. And I, I tried working with her and working with her and working with her again. And she finally just left. So, you know, that's, that's tough when you tr- thought you're trying to work through it and it, it really doesn't take. But for, again, me personally, as I've heard recently, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> and aren't we all? Aren't we all? Uh, you know, both your stories made me think of, uh, it's silly connection, but um, a guy named Adam Savage on Mythbusters. And he yeah. has this one little phrase that cracks me up. I reject your reality and insert my own. Yeah, and when you think about the stories yeah. you've told, yeah. I'm like, yeah, what you told me, this sucks. So I'm gonna go live my life a different way. And like my example, I'm gonna chuck your vision of uh, reality over the balcony. And I'm gonna just do my own thing because yep. my version is so much easier for me. Therefore, that's where I'm gonna go. Um, I, I think that there's a, a lot to be learned from watching how people respond to things and seeing if they respond to the situation or to the situation they wish was happening. And it's, it, it's can be quite telling sometimes <laughs> to watch those interactions and reactions of how people deal with those kinds of adversity. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm going to do cook's choice. I'm going to throw out to everybody. And that is, I want you to, if you have one, tell us a story of a, somebody who demonstrated some resilience where they were stretched and twisted and had all kinds of things happening, positive and or negative. And then once that situation resolved, you could see in them a different type of leader. They had actually incorporated that experience into how they proceed down the road. So I know it's dangerous, but I'm asking the four, whomever would care to take the mic and share a story of that nature, I would appreciate that. I have a friend of mine that left a church and he was raised in this church. And when he left the church, he, he left, he, he didn't believe in the church philosophy because he believed in science. And when he was throwing, I'm trying not to use the name of the church, but when he, when he started, when he started to, to rely on science, his friends started to disown him, disavow him, dis, and it was on social media. And I watched him go through this and, and he was never lost his cool. And I'm watching this from, from the 30,000 foot level because he's doing it on social media. And he stuck to his guns and he was calmly and he would always end it with, I would love to talk to you and try and explain my side of this. And it went through, he went through it for almost a year. And to this day, he's one of my bestest friends. And I have the utmost respect for this guy because he's stuck by his guns. He's stuck by his beliefs. And, and I think he is a better man for it. 
personally. I, I was I was way impressed with that. Right. So did you see examples in those, I assume there were some back and forth conversations. Did you see points where he would take somebody else's input and say, oh, I see your point, and here's how I think about that? Or well, well, was it really just standing his ground? No, and and, and that and, and just standing your ground, it can be dangerous as well. But sure. he would say he would say things like, "I understand that," but it, but if you, he, then he would refer to the science, right? And, and it was the other people like you know, screw science. This is the way our church believes, and this is the way we believe. Uh -huh. And and to me, that that can that's on the verge of cultish. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you're just going to believe without backing it up. Mm -hmm. Without science backing it up or or fact backing it up, then it's kind of creepy. But yeah, I'm I'm really proud of him for what he did, mm -hmm. and and it's hard. He if he even had family members disown him. Mm -hmm. So wow. And and interesting, you bring up that point because science is the epitome of resilience. Yeah. The epitome, right? Because it never stays stagnant ever. Yeah. It learns from what new information, and it ab absorbs it, and and goes forward. Right. And I'm not saying that as as any kind of a put down for Christianity, because you know that's where my heart is. But I think they they complement each other very well. I, I do. I, I just science to say science and not use the word resilient, as you get stuck in a, a paradigm. That, that just doesn't work anymore. Yeah, right. It, because that's what it's built on is is more information and absorbing or rejecting based on, you know, based on proven theories. But we still they thrive on theories. Right. They thrive on theories, which is nothing but resilience. Right. But for the anyway. leadership, you you accept, reject, and you still have to keep on moving. So Correct. what's your next experiment? How am I going to run this slightly differently to get a response that's more favorable to what I'm looking for? So that's a yeah. great example, but right? I appreciate that. What are the other Jeffs? Anything to share? Well, it's interesting because you talk about resilience, and I know most people usually think about resilience in terms of physical, mental, emotional resilience. And it, when you start to apply that to leadership, it 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 takes on a new paradigm. And what does that leadership look like? And being able to, you know, we can CrossFit say embrace the suck, you know? And recently, like I've done cold plunges and I started doing these in December and started going swimming in the cold water. And part of it was I wanted to be more resilient to how my body reacted to things. And it was excruciating. It was so uncomfortable. But last week I was able to spend 10 minutes in 41 degree water and I was fine. I, it was really, I was like, oh, this isn't that bad. And your body adapts to it. So when in that leadership situation, when you accept that this is not comfortable and you analyze and look at how are we doing things? Is it working? And how are we going to do things differently? You're creating leadership resilience in the face of adversity. Yeah. And I, I know we'll have other podcasts on adversity and you know chaos and all that kind of fun stuff. But it, when you can apply that that physical, it, it becomes physically uncomfortable. And there's a, a physiological reaction to that emotional state that you're in. And so if you can accept that as where you are and say, this is uncomfortable. Why am I feeling this way? What can we do about it? Is it just uncomfortable for a moment? Or is this uncomfortable for like a really long time? 
if it's uncomfortable for a really, really long time, you you might want to analyze what's going on and be like, am I in the right spot? Like, yeah. what is going on that this is so uncomfortable for so long? But recognizing that it's probably just a moment and how do we, how do we A, bounce back from that or B, how do we adapt and adjust to ease this level of discomfort so that we can be more successful? Because you can't right. operate at your highest level if you're completely like in, in stress all the time. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Nobody has physically grown without having some pain or learned anything without having some discourse. And, and that's just part of going through it. Jeff Guy, I know we're running low on time, but let's not uh, yeah, cut just, you short. What do you have to share? Just, just quickly, I mean, resilience infers that we are, if we're resilient, it infers that we are flexible. And if we're flexible, mm -hmm. that infers that the current situation can be different. And then to institute or implement the resilience, we have to learn and maybe different mindsets and, and learn new skills and that kind of stuff to, to implement or move us from this current situation that we have to be flexible to get out of. If, if we are staunch and never give ground or never, I don't like to give ground thing that feels like we're losing, but if we never, never even open our minds to the possibility that something could be different, that, that's not, that's not going to bring you resilience because you are inflexible. You're just going to stand there and get the crap beat out of you. Yep. Uh, right, right or wrong. And right. so for us to be resilient, we have to be flexible. And when you're flexible, that kind of infers that you have to go educate yourself to different possibilities. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, using your, your example there, I think is great, especially in this area of the Pacific Northwest. We have a lot of evergreens. Get a big, strong wind. The trees that break are the ones that are rigid. The ones that don't are the ones that are flexible and can, and can live through that. And Conroy has a whole yeah. Yeah. Right. Has a house full of that. Right. They fall in your house. It's awesome. That's they right. fall in your house. Yeah. It's resilience right there. Exactly. So as we've been discussing, I hope it's clear at this point, resilience isn't static or binary. It's not that you have it or you don't. It's a, a scale. Yeah, a spectrum, and you and you get to develop this. I've had clients who called out resilience specifically as a goal of theirs to develop more thoroughly. And while we worked through situations, we would talk about what was the stimulus, how did you respond. Now looking back, how do you wish you could have handled that differently? And then talk about it in terms of now that you know that, what can you do moving forward? And so I have those conversations over how to respond and, and uh, react in the moment, not just uh, retroactively. And to think about resilience is only one piece. Like I said, just the responding to a negative is like saying you want a full body workout and always skipping leg day. It's not going to work out if you only think about one piece. It's dealing with all the emotions and having the emotions, like, like I was mentioning, understanding it, appreciating it, and then being a little bit better leader on the other end of it because you did acknowledge all those pieces. So I want to share as we close up here, we are... No More Leadership BS. We are coaches. We do help people succeed, thrive, and go through struggles that they can't see themselves. If you have questions, concerns, comments, ask us at leadershipbs.co is our email. Let us know if you have uh, questions, comments, concerns. We have a Facebook group. There's ways to get us. All you have to do is raise your hand, and we'll be sure to respond. So any parting shots, thoughts, comments from the group before we say we had a successful conversation? 
Rock on, everybody. Take care. <laughs> Stay resilient, you big pile of dough. <laughs> so for the No More Leadership BS Group, I'm Dr. Sam signing us out. And uh, need that dough, friends. Peace out. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Leadership BS Podcast. If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. That's askus at leadershipbs.co. Don't forget to give us a five-star review so we can reach more people. Thank you so much, and tune in next time. We'll see you then.